out our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the most nutritious hour of business talk all week. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. Your host and moderator is Bonnie D. Graham. You'll hear from the innovators who have learned to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo and help move today's businesses in new directions. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, 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 and if you want to help make the world run better with the Game Changers, you're in the right place. I always say it, I always mean it, and I like to think it's always true. Here we are. I'm always intrigued to hear the intro, the most nutritious hour of business talk in the week, and yes, Coffee Break with Game Changers has been around since October 2011, going strong. So what's the buzz on the street today? Very interesting. I'm going to quote Megan M. Biro, B-I-R-O, who is the founder and CEO of a company called Talent Culture. She also hosts a Work Trends podcast and Twitter chat and the co-author of The Character-Based Leader. You can look her up. Here's the quote. This is a tricky universe we're staffing up and engaging. The core goals are the same. Human is the bottom line. So read between the lines. We're talking staffing and engaging. Yes, HR, human capital, CHRO. The goals are the same human. We're talking people at work, period. That's what it is. And we're going to talk about cognitive computing. We're going to talk about AI, artificial intelligence, and all those good bells and whistles. Is cognitive computing and our chatbots going to humanize HR and the human connections at work? Big topic. Let's see what the buzz on the street is after this quote. Well, there's no mistake that the CHRO agenda is evolving, and we like to think it's evolving for the better. This is actually part two of a topic we covered in January on our series, Changing the Game with HR Radio. There was so much meat on the bones, we didn't even cover a fraction of it, so we're covering part two today. So, from the role of HR in business to how people strategy is enabled through innovative processing and technology. The CHRO role is evolving, and they are looking at and evaluating the who, the what, the why, the when, the where, and the how. Can they restructure and reoperationalize the modern organization? So we're talking to all of you around the world, our listeners, regardless of what industry, regardless of the maturity of your company. You must have an HR person somewhere, even if it's just Bob, your best friend, who came on board and said, figure out how to staff with the right, the best and the brightest, or even if it's people with C-suite titles and seats who are doing this leading up to that role of the CHRO. So we're going to talk about the business trends that are impacting how HR leads today, the tech trends that are going to enable HR's success, and where is this all heading? So let me just officially say welcome to CHROs and People Strategies, New Year Resolutions and Beyond, Part 2. 
little bit different panel today than we had in January. We are thrilled to be welcoming the following people. Susan Steele hasn't been on the show in quite a while. She is the Global Chief HR Officer and Partner in Talent and Engagement at IBM Global Business Services. She's joined by Victor Reyes, a newcomer to Game Changers. He's also with IBM Global Business Services, and Victor is an associate partner in Talent and Engagement. That's why they're here. Rounding out the panel is the lady who started this topic. This is her series, had part one, Changing the Game with HR. It's Dr. Patricia Fletcher. She lets me call her Patty. She's a leadership futurist and solution management leader at SAP Success Factors. So let's circle around the table back to Susan Steele. Susan has sent us a quote from Maya Angelou, just quickly born Marguerite Annie Johnson. Interesting. American poet, memoirist, and civil rights activist who published seven autobiographies, three books of essays, multiple books of poetries, and was credited with movies and plays and TV shows and received dozens of awards and honorary degrees. She's most famous for her 1969 book, I Know Why the Caged Bird Sings. And I don't know if Susan knows, but Maya Angelou became a poet and writer after many occupations. She was a fry cook. She was a nightclub dancer. She was a cast member of the opera Porgy and Bess. She was a sex worker. And she was a journalist in Egypt and Ghana during the decolonization of Africa. She really got around. No comment. Here is the quote from Maya Angelou. I don't stop when I'm tired. I only stop when I'm done. Susan Steele, welcome back to Game Changers Radio. How have you been? Fine. Thanks, Bonnie. Thanks for joining us. Talk to me about this quote from Maya Angelou. We're talking about CHROs. We're talking about a view from the vantage point of the new year, 2017 and beyond, humanizing HR. So what would Maya say about all of this? Well, my career has also been uh, quite varied, maybe not as uh, extreme as hers <laughs> in terms of the roles <laughs> I've held. But, well put. <laughs> um, I have done many different things, but I think um, the, the common theme here is uh, being an early adopter of innovation. So for me, innovation is never over, and therefore I'm really never stopping because innovation continues. And now I'm excited to be focused on our topic today in terms of how cognitive computing is changing the HR world. And and let me ask you, Susan, is this part of the quote, I don't stop until I I only stop when I'm done, is HR or CHROs in an ongoing evolution or is it a stop and start? Is it something where we say, okay, it's a new year. We're just going to sit down and talk. What can we do differently in it? Oh, my goodness, as Cog, oh, my goodness, as AI, we'd better change and grow. Oh, good, it's June. We can sit back and say, that was a lot of work. Do we really have to do this again next year? I'm being facetious, Susan Steele. But is this something that's ongoing? Is this something that companies get? Or is it something that's that's tied to breaking news like we're going to be talking about today. What's your view? I think that there's a continuous evolution. So I I really think HR is never finished. It's never done. Um, Some folks would take a view that it's more of a sort of uh, series of phases. But in my experience, um, the, the change is continuous. So I would say HR is never, never really done either. Okay, thank you very much. So, so much for Maya Angelou at HR. You have a long road ahead of you. Put your boots on. There you go, for many reasons. Thank you, Susan. And now let's welcome Victor Reyes, Associate Partner in Talent and Engagement at IBM Global Business Services. And Victor is introducing us through his quote to an artist I've never heard of. Maybe you have. The gentleman's name is 
Close, C-L-O-S-E, or Close, Charles Thomas Chuck Close, born on July 5th, 1940, young one. He's an American painter, an artist, and photographer who is famous as a photorealist through massive scale portraits. Look him up, Chuck Close, C-L-O-S-E. Interestingly, talking about not finishing until you're done, not stopping, he had a catastrophic spinal artery collapse back in 1988 that left him severely paralyzed, but he has continued to paint and produce work that museums and collectors are thronging for. They're crying out for. He also creates photo portraits using a very large format camera. So talking about not stopping till you're done. And here's the quote from Chuck Close. Inspiration is for amateurs. The rest of us just show up and get to work. I love the quote. Victor Reyes, so happy to welcome you to Game Changers. How are you today? Terrific. Terrific. Thank you. We're delighted to have you, and so talk to me. Are you a follower? Have you seen the work of Chuck Close? Or how do you pronounce his name? I yeah, what indeed. is it like? Yeah, he's he's actually, as you pointed out, his backstory is quite inspirational. But his artwork is incredible. Uh, I first saw it. I live in Washington D.C., and I first saw some of his work in the Smithsonian. And so when I came across the quote, uh, it was really meaningful to me um, because I I think that as business people. We sort of think sometimes that creativity is is a mystery, right? Uh, and yet we're called on to be creative, especially in areas like we're talking about today, where how can we do new and different things, right, in business and specifically in HR? Um, and and I think that what what Chuck Close has pointed out is that uh, you can't wait for a bolt of lightning right, to to uh, to show you the way, right? You you need to trust that process and and persistence and perseverance will will yield results. Eventually, and uh, I really counsel my my HR uh, clients uh, to think about that to to get started. Right? To 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 build on Susan's point, um, you really need to try some things, see what happens, change course, uh, and keep working. Absolutely. I'm reading more and more about this artist, and, and Victor is absolutely fascinating. He had a neuromuscular condition as a child. He couldn't lift his feet. He had yes. kidney disease. He missed most of sixth grade. He was dyslexic. He has something called prosopagnosia, face blindness, so he does portraits. OMG. Everybody go take a look. Even look up on Wikipedia. Chuck, C-H-U-C-K, last name, close, C-L-O-S-E. There's a picture of an eyeball, a human eye. It in the socket with the eyelashes. So it's called photorealism or hyperrealism. Fascinating. What a what a pioneer he was. And certainly his life's work is his life's work. And I know he's not even close to being done. He's only 76, so he's just a baby. Yeah, Victor, th- thank you for the, inter- the inspiring introduction to Chuck Close and for bringing his wisdom into our show today. Very appreciative. And now let's welcome, she's waiting patiently, Dr. Patty Fletcher, Leadership, Futurist, and Solution Management at SAP Success Factors. And Patty has sent us a quote that's very long but very interesting from everybody put your put your TV childhood TV seatbelt on Mr. Rogers. Yes, we're talking about Fred McFeely Rogers who lived from 1928 to 2003. He was an American TV personality. If you're not from the US and you're not familiar, go look up Mr. Rogers, R O G E R S. He created, hosted and composed the theme music for the educational preschool TV series Mr. Rogers Neighborhood, which was on TV from 1968 to 2001. 
one, he always had a sweater. He was always relaxed, kind-hearted, gentle, soft-spoken, and very direct with his audience. He became an icon of TV. He even received the Presidential Medal of Freedom. Did you know that, Patty? 40 honorary degrees and a Peabody Award, and he's in the Television Hall of Fame, and two congressional resolutions. Did you know about that about him, Patty? I did not know he had that many awards. That's incredible. So well done. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. Now, let, let me read the quote. You picked a really long one, but I love it. Here we go. This is Mr. Rogers speaking, and he was selected for the quote of the day from Patty Fletcher. Here we go. When I was a boy and I would see scary things in the news, my mother would say to me, look for the helpers. You will always find people who are helping to this day, especially in times of disaster, I remember my mother's words, and I am always comforted by realizing that there are still so many helpers, so many caring people in this world. Patty, I just want to sit down and cry. This is so beautiful. <laughs> I think the four of us should just get together and hug it out, right? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. And and he was alive in 2001, so he must have, yeah, he saw, I wonder where the helpers were, and there were plenty of them around. Patty, welcome back. How are you? How have you been? I'm great, Bonnie. Thank you. Great to be back. Wonderful. So we're doing part two of this topic, and why don't you tell us what Fred Rogers would have said or what his quote means related to the topic of this evolution of CHROs. What, what is it all about? Yeah, there's, there is so much here. And my apologies, I have a puppy in the background with a, a dog walker coming together, so she may join in on the conversation for She's a minute. She's more than welcome, more than welcome. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's the workplace is an interesting place. If you're a leader, sometimes it can feel lonely. If you're in the execution layer, it can feel lonely. And HR for a long time has been perceived as an engine of the corporation and not necessarily a true business partner or a true friend of those who work in it. And when I think about the role of HR going forward and and like the the, um, thoughts that Victor and and Susan had shared, right? there's a lot of entrepreneurialism that has to happen because there is so much change going on, and that's scary. That's scary for an organization to do. And so HR shifting from, and and by the way, they still have to have processes. They still have to ensure Mm -hmm. compliance, right, all of those things. But looking at the workforce, looking at the talent economy, and being that voice of the talent economy inside and outside of the organization, anywhere from where should our talent strategy be, what should it be, what are the kinds of consumer-like tools that our, our po- folks in our organization, if they're a leader, here's, here's how we can help them. If they're execution layer, here's how we can help them. Being able to, to have that from a... Um, a translation to the leaders from the talent economy and from the leaders back to the talent economy and giving them the tools that enable them to be successful. Because HR is human, right? It's truly human resources. And that's been lost along the way. There isn't that trust. HR is not necessarily seen as a safe place for both the leader or the execution layer. And so having them do that and translate that service kind of leadership approach Tools, enablement, all of those things that enable your leaders to harness all the best and available talent and doing it with an empathy muscle is going to be critical for HR moving forward, especially with all the change. 
you dropped a lot of keywords and buzz phrases in there, Dr. Patty Fletcher, and I was uh, honing in on talent economy. This, there is so many ways we're describing the economy. We're doing a show tomorrow on our show, The Future of Utilities with Game Changers, and it's going to be about the circular economy. Will anything ever go in the garbage heap or the dump anymore? Talking about recycling and recirculating resources from the perspective of utilities, of course. Very interesting. Talent economy. Is that a new phrase, Patty? Is that something that's been knocked around for a while, or is, is that just something we're going to invent and coin today right here? I feel like it's been in my vocabulary for a long time, Susan or, or Victor. You, you may know more than me. I just have always thought about the talent economy. I think I used to call it the human capital economy, but <clears throat> it's essentially we compete on innovation, secrets, knowledge, information. That's all things that are created by humans. And, of course, you know, Susan, as we talk about cognitive, people are still designing those, those algorithms, right, deciding what information is important or not. And all of that's part of the talent economy. But, Bonnie, what we hear all the time, shortage on talent, right, war yeah. for talent. That's really where that talent economy, what do we have, what more do we need, um, really comes into play. Thank you very much. Susan, let's ask you and then Victor Reyes, uh, what do you think? Is this something you use at, at IBM in your work, talent economy, or is this, should we just credit it to Patty Fletcher and let it go with that? <laughs> I think the concept is one that's very familiar at IBM and also at many of our clients. Uh, as Patty said, um, really, talent is the core ingredient for any business. Uh, regardless of, of what they're producing, um, because without talent, um, the innovation and the pace of innovation is, is just not going to be there. So I would uh, see that as a, as a common denominator now in, uh, in pretty much every type of organization I could imagine. Victor, any, any thoughts on your side? Uh, absolutely. Um, I, I think the, the term really resonates with me. I think it resonates with us um, who are speaking today because uh, this is our stock and trade, right? We think about people in HR all the time. What I find interesting about this notion of the talent economy is how it has gradually spread to um, industries and, and places in business where you, you wouldn't think it would have, right? Places that are, uh, you know, capital-intensive industrial businesses that really used to focus on assets, and now all of a sudden they're talking about the talent economy. And I think the reason for that is as their businesses have changed, um, as they have become more reliant on technologies, um, on software, uh, they are being forced to look for talent in places that they didn't have to before and for kinds of talent that they never had to compete for uh, before. So uh, I'm not just, if I'm in banking, I'm not just looking for other bankers. I'm looking for software developers and I'm looking for data scientists. And if I'm, if I'm uh, in oil and gas exploration, uh, I'm also looking for someone who can do data visualization uh, of, you know, to find me where the natural gas deposits are. Well, other people are competing for that talent, not just my, my oil and gas uh, competitors. And I think that's really what I think started to change um, the conception of business leaders across the board around the importance of talent, even where they de-emphasized it in the past. Thank you. Very interesting articulation there. Yes. Um, it, in a way, I think we could almost, I'm just going to take a leap of faith here, kids, and it's a circular economy that we're, we're cycling and recycling talent in so many different ways across so many different parts of the business landscape and things are not what they were. You're, you're right, Victor. We're not just narrowly asking, okay, this is what we do and these are the only people we're getting. So you need a much more broad brush approach to 
which talent do you need to become and stay successful and thrive? Very interesting. You know what? Let's circle around to Susan Steele. And Susan, I have a couple of personal questions for you. Don't take them personally, but number one, I want to know where are you calling from roughly? Not the Google coordinates, please. And what are you drinking today? Or if nothing interesting, what would you rather be drinking that powers Susan Steele at IBM? Go ahead, Susan. <laughs> well, I'm uh, today in Los Angeles. And I ha- because it is um, early in the morning still, I have a cup of black coffee in front of me, which is pretty much a daily ritual. So delighted to have that in front of me, and I definitely need that every day to, uh, to get going. So happily savoring that at the moment. Okay, thank you very much, Victor Reyes. Where art thou, and what are you drinking, or what yes, do you love well, to drink? I had the, have the pleasure of having landed in Los Angeles late last night to join Susan. Uh, so uh, I am on my uh, third cup of coffee this morning, ah. and uh, as great as the first two were, I can tell this one's going to be the best and most effective. <laughs> the most effective. I think that's the key word. What are you waiting for, Victor? <laughs> what I, when, is it going to kick in? Are you going to give us a heads up on radio and say, yup, that third cup of coffee is really well, doing its I'm, job? I'm, I'm honoring Chuck Close. You know, I, I figure if, I'm not going to wait for a flash of lightning. I'm just going to keep drinking. <laughs> you just get, that's fine. You, you be inspired and we'll just show up and work. Thank you very much. Patty Fletcher, where are you? Glow. Global traveler, global trekker, I can say. Where are you? Are you settled? Somewhere with a puppy we know and a dog walker. That many clues you gave us. Where are you? What are you, what are you drinking today, Patty? Well, I'm waiting for my coffee to kick in. Um, so that was, <laughs> that was awesome, Victor. Um, I am in um, Natick in my home and um, for once, which is really great, and um, which is just outside of Boston, about 12 miles west of Boston. I am, too, also drinking coffee. And... I found out recently that I'm lactose intolerant, so I've been searching no. for um, different, like, almond milk and uh, uh, coconut milk things, and I found this really good one called Carifa, and it's awesome, and I'm trying it for the first time this morning. It's delicious. Can you, you spell it for me, please? What, how do you spell it, Patty? Um, it is C-A-L-I-F-I-A, and I have the vanilla flavor. Oh, my gosh, it's so good. Califia, really? I'm, I'm going to do a quick Google, Google search here. Oh, Califia Farms, almond yeah. milks, cold brew coffees, creamers, and juices. Anybody who wants to look it up, C-A-L-I-F-I-A-F-A-R-M-S.com. And interesting, Patty, do you know the origin of the term Califia? I do not. Well, if you change the I in Califia to an A, Calafia, it's a fictional warrior queen who ruled over a kingdom of black women living on the mythical island of California. I'm not going to go there. <laughs> I'm not even going to go there. Yes, there's also EURweb, yourweb.com, the history of Queen Califia spelled with the I, and uh, she is the African mother and namesake of California. That- oh, now I get it. Oh, well, Patty, a piece of history you didn't even realize you were sharing with us. You're so, you're so wonderful. So listen, all, all I can tell you is that there's enough caffeine among my three panelists that I don't need any. I never have any during the show, but I wouldn't dare go near it today. So I have a Cool Clear mug with Cool Clear water with a kind of a pinky orangey straw because it was almost 90 degrees here on Long Island over the weekend. We never, never saw that one coming. No air conditioning yet. Uh, but now it's kind of gray and it's cooled off. 
off by about 30 degrees and people are saying, what? Is it winter again? So I've got my water in the pink straw hoping that the sun will come out. Not tomorrow. We could use a little bit today. I'm Bonnie D. Graham having a very interesting conversation. If you're just tuning in, we're talking about CHROs and people strategies, New Year resolutions and beyond, part two. But before we go to break, Susan Steele sent me an interesting quote from Diane Gerson, the CHRO, Chief HR Officer at IBM, uh, quoted in the Future Workplace Experience. Susan, I'm just going to read this quote, and then we'll go to break. And this is this is what we're talking about today. HR, this is very important. Everybody listen up. HR is an artifact of the industrial age. And if it is not reshaped and reinvented, it will end up on the sidelines of the most important changes affecting people in their organizations in our lifetime. That's food for thought. Oh my, I'm all choked up. When we come back, thank you, Susan, for that. I told you we would mention it. When we come back, Susan Steele will start the roundtable, and then we will hear input from Victor Reyes at IBM and Dr. Patty Fletcher at SAP Success Factors. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and I plan to be after the break. I'm going to go take a sip of that cool, clear water. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. You know the drill by now. Kevin out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com follow the voice america talk radio network on twitter we're at voice america trn you'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows this week's featured guests and general happenings that you should know about at the voice america talk radio network now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office just go to twitter.com forward slash voice america trn or follow along with us at voice america trn the voice america talk radio network we're on the cutting edge of social media can you keep up when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network You're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. You can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. Here we are, and we're back talking with Susan Steele and Victor Reyes at IBM and with Dr. Patty Fletcher at SAP Success Factors. We're talking about CHRO evolving and moving into, I don't know what part of modern or postmodern era we're in, but it certainly has to evolve. And we just read a quote before the break from Diane Gerson, CHRO at IBM. We're going to start off the roundtable in earnest with some comments that Susan Steele sent me before the show. Let me read a little, and then Susan will 
add, and then we will have Victor and Patty chime in. So Susan's going to talk about augmenting intelligence and the transformation of HR. Let me read a little bit. Cognitive technology is ideally suited to accelerate an HR function's digital transformation and address the need for continuous employee development because, get this, it allows for deeper human engagement, it enables elevated expertise, and it facilitates intelligent exploration and discovery. That's a mouthful. Susan Steele, please translate for us. So it's an exciting time now to be in the world of HR uh, either as an HR employee or even as uh, uh, an employee in an organization who's benefiting from this transformation of HR. And we see that cognitive computing, artificial intelligence, when applied to many of the issues and challenges that HR organizations face, it's a perfect fit. So imagine, for example, using uh, cognitive technology to improve your ability to identify and recruit top talent. And then imagine being able to use this same technology to more quickly onboard your new hires so they hit the ground running and can be productive more quickly. And then once they're in the organization, imagine using cognitive computing to personalize the learning and the recommendations of learning so that every employee has effectively their own customized playlist of learning that they should focus on. And then imagine using cognitive technology to improve the way HR services are delivered. So you can text, you can get information quickly, and then you can obviously speak to uh, a colleague in HR as needed on some of the more sensitive topics that require that. But in any case, a very consumer-like experience that is in line with what employees expect these days in the workplace. So it's an exciting time to be looking at this issue and looking at how organizations can integrate cognitive computing into how they structure and run their HR function. Thank you, Susan. Before I get Victor and Patty in, quick question. You said what employees are expecting today. Is this the full gamut? We've we said many times on Patty's series and on this one Coffee Break with Game Changers over the past two or three years that this is an unprecedented time when we have at least five demographic generational cohorts identifiable by somehow their birth dates or whatever, their birth years, rather, or the range of years, working side by side in the workplace. So is this demand on HR coming from all parts of the workforce or just some demographics? Just a quick comment from you. I think it's coming from everywhere, and I think it's been galvanized or you know, turned up a few notches by our expectations as consumers. So we're all consumers outside the workplace. We have those same expectations of great service, give it to me now, just in time, when we come into the workplace. So a lot of things aligning to create unprecedented demand for uh, fantastic employee experiences and great HR services. Thank you. Very good. Thank you. Really appreciate your letting me do that sidebar. Victor Reyes at IBM, we'd love to hear your thoughts on Susan's topic. Yeah. I, I, one thing just occurred to me, Bonnie, is you, you talked a little bit about this, this issue of multiple generations in the workforce. And I think that's a great example of where uh, cognitive computing, artificial intelligence has an opportunity to really really change the way that, that HR can enable and, and engage people in the business. Because um, HR leaders have been struggling for 
so, such a long time at this point to figure out how to deal with these generational differences, as an example. And we, every HR conference, we still talk about millennials in the workplace, and mm-hmm. millennials have been in the workplace for at least 10 years, right? So um, the, the issue is, how do you use some of these tools to really personalize and address employees based on their individual preferences and needs, whether that's in terms of learning or onboarding, uh, really helping them do their jobs better. Um, don't address them as a segment and have to be forced to make a set of assumptions around what they need or want because um, they're a baby boomer or they're a millennial um, or they're Generation X. Um, but rather, we now know you. We know things about you based on how we have interacted with you, um, based on how you've performed, based on what your network is like, um, based on what preferences you've expressed in the past. Cognitive allows you to harness all that data and then personalize the way you engage with that person so that they feel like they're being engaged with as a person. Wow, I like that. And the idea of cognitive computing, AI, chatbots, Watson, the whole, the whole cohort of all of those technology advances, humanizing Humanizing the human interaction of HR to me is it, it's mind-boggling and it's exciting at the same time. Patty Fletcher, love to get your thoughts. Yeah, it's it's such a, a fantastic topic and it is so relatively new. And there there are warts, right? Let's not kid ourselves. This is not perfect, and we have a lot to learn, especially with embedded bias, right? And and I know, um, IBM, you're you're doing lots of work on that. But it is exciting, right? And it's not really about the generational thing. I have many traits, Bonnie, you do too, um, of a millennial, um, probably of Generation Z, as, as my children are part of, and my daughter is, my older daughter is in the workforce now. It's about the expectations, what the kinds of relationships we have, what we want from the people we work for and work with. And so this is all coming at a time, and that's all based on, you know, where we are in our lives and and all that kind of stuff. The millennials will need something different when they get to my age, right? It might look a little different, but they'll need something different simply because we all lead integrated lives. But the whole thing around cognitive computing I love, and, and Victor, I think you called it out really well, is there is no more one size fits all. No more. And that is something that HR is really understanding and that it's more than HR's role is becoming more than the what kind of information do we need from you, how do we support in a very siloed um, way as well as with blinders on each of the different steps along that human capital management continuum and instead look at things like what Susan said before. We live in a highly complex environment. Right, So we have complex adaptive systems with HR. That means that you're dealing with people. So what you and I talk about on this radio show is going to change one of the listeners' views, which will then change what they work on, what they invest in, and that impacts people around them and around them and around them. And it's a constantly changing environment. And there are some leadership futurists um, who've been looking at this, like Edie Weiner, like David Pierce Snyder, understanding what it takes to be successful in the modern organization. And so they talk about we've moved from the have and have-nots to the can and can-nots, and HR's job is to enable the cans and to enable them with this thing called complex capacity. So as Susan had talked about, we live in this, this world of constant change, which we can really say it's more than change. It's complexity, right? It's not complicated. Mm-hmm. It's complex because it's an open environment, constantly changing. So how do we enable our people to thrive, to harness their power, to achieve what they want to achieve, to grow and develop by doing this thing, having this thing called complex capacity, 
thriving, not despite the complexity and the change, but because of it. And only cognitive computing can help with that. Only cognitive computing can make sense to what's going on around that employee or around that leader that will enable them to harness that talent and move forward. Wow. This is powerful, Patty. I think we're going way past what we covered on part one uh, into brand new territory here. Thank you. Uh, Susan Steele, anything you want to wrap up on this topic before I move on to something I think is very, very interesting from Victor's notes? It is very hard to follow Patty on that. But I, uh, I, <laughs> Touche. I, 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 I have a question. Could I ask yes. Susan, how, how, how does HR get ready for this? Right? So all of a sudden, I mean, we all have to be technologists regardless of the function, but this is just crazy, yeah. right? This is beyond a, a really good big data system. How are you seeing that? What, what, what are CHROs doing? Are they hiring differently? What about people in the execution levels? Yeah. So I think um, HR leaders are proceeding enthusiastically but cautiously. So we see a lot of them uh, just experimenting trying some proof of concepts to see how it works, trying pilots. And this is against a backdrop in many organizations where, and our research um, shows this, that CEOs are actually even more enthusiastic about cognitive computing across the enterprise, but especially in HR, than many of their HR leaders are. So the good thing here is that when an HR leader wants to um, move forward with cognitive computing in the HR function, very often they're finding that their CEOs are even more enthusiastic about this than they are. So the support is there. And we're seeing this time and time again. So I'd, I'd say that HR leaders are putting a toe in the water, and many of them, of course, are, are advancing even beyond that. Interesting. And, and that this is, Bonnie, this also brings to mind who are the CHROs? Who is the new avant-garde? Are they tried and true professionals who've been in their jobs for a long time saying, what? We have to change? We're going to have robots? We're going to have Watson? Mm -hmm. Are these the millennials ascending into that part of the, uh, toward the C-suite, breaking whatever ceiling is above them? Anybody want to comment on that? Who are the new, who is the new breed? Or is it not a new breed of CHROs? Victor, Patty, Susan? You know, I, I think there's a changing of the guard, um, but it's gradual. Uh, I mm -hmm. actually don't think that it's just, uh, you know, newcomers that are experimenting with this. Um, it's, I think HR leaders who are tuned into their business understand that uh, this change that we're talking about is sweeping the organization. Um, if you look at, they look across the table at their peers um, in operations, in finance, um, you know, in IT, everyone is sort of driving to um, obviously do more with less, but also do more with data, with facts. Um, they know that they need to infuse their organization with those capabilities. Um, it's just a question of how. So I think Susan and I, you know, we, we spend our time running around talking to HR leaders. There is no lack of enthusiasm for this topic, um, whether the, the leader is a 30-year a, a HR person or whether they're, you know, a, a total newcomer. Um, the question is how on everyone's lips right now. And that's Very what we're trying to help with. <laughs> Thank you. And that is indeed. And you know what? I'm going to move on. Victor, I'm glad you're, you're chatting because I want to move on to something very interesting in terms of trustworthiness. And I, yeah. I think this is one of the, the, the platforms, platform or one of the core 
qualifications of HR, when do people go to HR? Do they trust HR? Do they trust HR's information? Do they trust HR's trustworthiness? Can they talk to HR? Should they talk to HR? All kinds of rumors and anecdotes are floating around. So let's talk about this. You say in your notes, you know what I'm talking about. You say in your notes, research shows that employees consider more complex decisions from cognitive applications equal to or more trustworthy than traditional sources. So are we talking about employees being happier with a chat bot on the other end of a, hello, HR, this is Bob, I have a question, versus, uh, hello, HR, uh, is this Miss Jones? Hi, how are the kids? How are you doing, Miss Jones? Yeah, I have a question. Would they rather talk to, to a cognitive application or to a real person, and, and whom do they trust? Victor, right, talk to right. us. Yeah, you know, I, I think that there's a couple of things that work here, and we have done some research on this where we actually um, talk to uh, hundreds of, of respondents and, and employees, um, pose to them a series of situations where they might uh, interact with HR and, and whether they might interact with some sort of a cognitive um, tool, a chatbot, uh, something powered by Watson, as an example, and, and, and really gauge the trustworthiness. Um, how do they feel about interacting with uh, a computer, essentially? And what we learned, I think, actually is, is not uh, that unusual, considering that we are all consumers, right? And our world mm-hmm. of consumers has changed so much over the last... 10 years, 5 years, 3 years, in terms of the tools we have available to us, how we interact with them. And I think that's being reflected in the workplace and people's attitudes towards interacting with this technology. So what we found, in short, is that certainly when there are really complex, um, very personal situations, decisions that somebody's trying to make, they want to talk through with somebody, they want to talk to a person. Right? That, that's still true, mm-hmm. and that was borne out by our research. On the other hand, um, that doesn't mean that in some situations they actually prefer interacting with a system because they know that it has comprehensive information available to it. Mm-hmm. If I've just got a question and I know that this um, this tool has access to all the knowledge bases in my organization and is able to serve up the right answer quickly and efficiently, I'm going to prefer that. Or if I can interact with this tool um, at 11.30 at night when I, I finished work and I went to a business dinner and I'm sitting in my hotel room and I'm, I'm ready to do something quickly and, and answer a question, um, I don't necessarily want or need to talk to a person. So I think that's, that shouldn't surprise us, but it's certainly true of, of the way that they're feeling about these cognitive tools. Um, and, and in fact, they feel like they can get an information advantage. They feel like they can get accurate information. Uh, and they don't mind that it's, uh, that it's a system on the other end, right? Interesting. Patty Fletcher, I know you have a point of view on this. What do you think? Who, to whom do you want to speak? A poison yeah, or, or an app? It's, it depends. I mean, the truth is, it depends. And, you know, it's, it's so interesting that I, I, I'm really eager to see research like this because if we went back, I don't know, maybe 15 years ago, I highly doubt somebody would trust a system, a computer, over a person. So there's, there's absolutely the consumerization, but there's an awful lot of other influences that are going on, and just basic distrust of leadership in, in those who work for the leaders or represent the leaders. And I think that's interesting. The, the cognitive thing, it's just fascinating when we think about it. I'm not going to invite HR into my living room, right? But I'm certainly going to sit with my app 
with, you know, like my laptop on my lap, watching mm-hmm. a movie and doing some things. And it's information. On the other side, it's the convenience, right? We don't live balanced lives. We lead integrated lives. And HR understands that. They know that I'm working at home. It could be eight at night. I need to find out what my benefits are because, let's say, I'm about to go on maternity leave or, or whatever those things are that are very, very personal and I want to know what my options are. And so in those cases, absolutely. If it's a very complex topic, I probably need um, HR to help me. And I would hope and I would demand that HR has tools at the ready for themselves. We talk a lot about cognitive computing as enablement for, for employees, for leaders, but there's also cognitive computing to enable HR to be better at HR. So I, um, for me, it's a, a mix of both. I think from a, a service center perspective, it's phenomenal, and I, I absolutely understand that there's probably more trust there, um, more accuracy, and just quite frankly, convenience. And, and, you know, I have the Amazon algorithms just like everybody else. So you have that kind of conditioning of, of trust and convenience, and I don't talk on the phone anymore. I text, right? So I'm very used to, to that kind of communication, and I almost prefer it. But for highly complex things, I would want HR to have cognitive capabilities where they are helping me um, to to make some decisions that are, are quite informed versus someone's hunch. Thank you. Informed versus hunch. Patty, I have to interject here with one, before I go back to Susan, uh, there's one line here in your notes you sent me before the show that is a quotable moment, and you have alluded to it a couple of times in the past couple of minutes when you spoke. I have to get this out on Twitter. You say, a final good riddance to the stupid notion, that's my New York stupid pronunciation, to the stupid notion of work-life balance. So I'm quoting you, Patty Fletcher, in on Twitter, hashtag SAP Radio. So there you go. We had to get that out Thanks. there. Next time I'll think of a more intelligent word than stupid, and yes, I said that. And <laughs> <laughs> no, Oh, it's, 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 you're being human, Dr. <laughs> Fletcher. You're being human, and that's why you're here. Susan Steele, love to get your thoughts on what we've been talking about on Victor's topic, and then we're going to pick one quick topic from Patty Fletcher's list. So, Susan, thoughts, please? Listen, I think what we're hearing from Patty, from Victor, and from many of the organizations that uh, I speak with every day is that this is just new territory for, for everyone. Um, it's hard to open uh, a magazine or listen to a podcast without hearing this concern about, you know, machines are taking over our lives, things are going to be very different. I heard a very interesting statistic that over 100 years ago, something like um, 80% of the population was involved in some form of agriculture. <laughs> so I suppose, you know, back then, had we talked about, you know, machines everywhere, it would have been a terrifying thought. Now they're much more part of our lives. So I think it'll be an interesting uh, transformation over the next few years. And, and I'd love to fast forward in our time machine to have this conversation in 10 years time, because I think some of the things that are worrying us now will be just sort of business as usual then. So interesting times ahead. Thank you very much, and we're going to get you to give us your formal prediction in about four and a half, five minutes when we go into the crystal ball predictions. Lightning round, Susan, so save that thought. Uh, Patty Fletcher, I'm looking at your notes here, something we absolutely must talk about when we discuss the evolving, the evolution of HR. It's not just technology. It's not just cognitive. It's not just chatbots and AI and robots and machines and apps. It's about people, and we're talking, of course, about D&I 
diversity and inclusion. And Patty, you said in your notes, there's a continuing evolution of thought when it comes to diversity and inclusion. 2016 was an interesting year in terms of the societal topic. Businesses were continuing to gain momentum as to play not only into strategy of, of HR, but technology. How is tech helping with D&I, Patty? How, how far have we come? Where do we have to go? We have we have come very very far and we have so very very far to go. <laughs> I mean, it just it is what it is. We have systems constructs that inform everything that we do, and so much so that we have a lot of unconscious bias around them. That's just the way things are. That's just the way businesses are structured. That's just the way our systems are, and we're starting to to question that now, right? Why is it that I only have someone who looks like this, talks like this, sounds like this, not only applying to my jobs, but staying in this company I work? Why is it that I can't find any of this fill-in-the-box underrepresented population when everybody tells me that they're there? On the other side of the house, we have that whole talent shortage thing that many would say is a myth. It's that what they feel is happening is that we keep going into the same rooms trying to talk to different people, but the same people are there, right? So we need to be rethinking how we do. When we look at cognitive computing, digitalization, and transformation, what we see is an opportunity, an opportunity to disrupt how we think about HR and what we do about it. And not just HR in terms of the function with the CHRO, but I mean the job that's everybody's job, whether it's me managing myself in an organization and navigating through that organization or me as a people leader and enabling the people around me to to develop their talent, harness their talent, create great teams. And so we have this ability to interrupt decisions. What we know does not work is blame and shame. We know that, right? We, we get that double thumbs up, and yet that's what we continue to do. Continue to do it through only programs and education that teach women to negotiate like men instead of just understanding their authentic selves, that teach men that what they've been doing is all wrong instead of saying, hey, it's the system. And by the way, we're not... You know, I, I have yet to meet a woman who wakes up in the morning and says, who's going to oppress me today? Instead, she's <laughs> thinking about the job she's doing, right? How, you know, what, whatever those things are, that, that's top of mind. And so when we think about HR and the role of HR, and what does it do? Well, we, you know, part of that, that earlier topic is we're starting to see more like chief people success officers and chief, you know, kind of evolving from chief talent and chief HRO. And that job there is ultimately harnessing all of the best and available talent, all of the best and available talent inside and outside of the organization. That means that I need to enable people to find that talent and harness that talent. That means that technology enables me to do that. That also means that I have to do it differently. Instead of all of the writing job descriptions the same, instead of asking for salary history at time of hire, which is the biggest indicator of what will create a a salary gap throughout somebody's career, right? And just kind of starting to think about and using technology to be able to say, what are the decisions we're making? How is that in line with where we want to go as a business? How does it help our diversity and inclusion initiatives? Are the technologies helping us to create diversity but not inclusion? Um, And really identifying where those, those areas are and remembering that diversity and inclusion means multiple things to an organization. It could be hiring more vets. It could be having more women. It could be race. It could be culture. It could be generational, right? All of, all of those things. 
but it's, it's critically important. And what we're starting to see is this topic is becoming less philanthropic and more business imperative. We must do this because we need a workforce that reflects who our customers are. And HR plays a huge role in that. Thank you, Patty. Wow. A lot of information, a lot of interesting thought there, and we are at our crystal ball predictions round, so I'm not going to get an opportunity to ask Susan and Victor to comment, but Patty, we have to do a part three, whether it's on your show, my show, how could we possibly leave this? So I'll, I'll let you get in touch with me and we'll, we'll figure something out. So Susan Steele, you are up at the platform for the crystal ball prediction and I can give you, let's, let's start with a full 60 seconds each. Susan Steele, look out over the landscape of Watson and cognitive computing and AI and CHRO evolving and getting more progressive and understanding that people are not little boxes on the hillside all going to ticky-tacky, give me a job and give me a salary, that we're all different, that it is a continuum of talent. There is no talent shortage. I'm quoting some of the quotables from Patty Fletcher and from all of you. Susan Steele, what will be different if we met again to talk about this topic? I'm not even going to say 2020, my favorite year. Let's say one year from today. What do you predict will be different? Susan Steele, 60 seconds, go. Well, I think there will be fewer employees and more um, uh, flexibly engaged um, colleagues who are coming into the organization uh, as part of partnerships, alliances, uh, interim contracts. So I think we're going to see that trend continuing. And I do think that at every point of the employee journey in an organization, from when they're hired um, to onboarded to developed, um, and even in terms of how they leave, we're going to see cognitive computing playing a much bigger role in creating a compelling employee experience and freeing HR to do more strategic talent issues. Thank you very much, Susan Steele. Victor Reyes, I can give you the same 60 seconds. Go for it. What do you see coming down and how far in the future are we looking? Uh, yeah, I think if if I look uh, just a couple of years, because I, I, I don't think this is far away, so it may be next year, it may be the year after, but uh, I think a, a few things. First of all, uh, along the lines of what we've been saying, a lot of the, the, the things that are tough today for HR that, that we hear about, you know, I, 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 need to, I need data, I need to figure out my headcount, I need key metrics, um, all of that's going to start to fade into the background. I think that looking up key HR metrics in the future for an HR professional will be like looking at the weather on your phone, right? It's just going to be there. Um, and, and so this is what's really going to allow HR to engage in the kind of conversations that I think they've always wanted to uh, as far as helping people succeed, to Patty's point, chief people success officers. Um, I think the second prediction is that's going to mean some really dramatic changes for the way HR um, is staffed and organized that this notion of centers of expertise or excellence today that is attached to an expert in comp and benefits or learning or recruiting, um, they're going to have to be much more specialized. You're, you're going to have HR people who are specialized on uh, key technical competencies, operational areas. So you'll, you'll have a COE in HR around project management or around engineering, um, and they're going to look at how do I make this type of talent successful in my organization. 
Thank you very much, Victor Reyes. Such a pleasure to meet you, and, and thank you again for the great quote from Chuck Close. I hope you will come back. Dr. Patty Fletcher, I saved 60 seconds for you. That's all I give you, Patty. So <laughs> what do you see coming down the pike? Are you in love with 2020 like I am? Do you Have you got a great bottle of champagne reserved in a yes, restaurant yes, somewhere? Do, I keep drinking it, so then I have to buy it. <laughs> So <laughs> I, okay. I think just add, adding on, um, by 2020, I, I do think that there will be a shift in how we view things like diversity and inclusion, which is typically program and, and education investment, and have that be part of the lens of making a technology decision and how technology can enable an organization. And I do think that HR will continue to see CHROs, highly seasoned or people success officers, go to the board, which means that um, what they do in an organization is change, start to change, like really start to see them be the people who are truly helping to define the strategy around that talent economy, um, therefore getting that seat at the table. Um, and I also, from the employee side, I'm wondering, and this could be another show, when does cognitive computing become table stakes? Mm. What is the what's next? So I, I do see that as, as starting to shift as well. Mm-hmm. When does cognitive computing become table stakes? I'm delaying the end of the show for this, Patty, for from, HR. From the employee's point of view. From right? employee's so point like of view. I expect to have the best technology, you know, the best laptop, the best um, uh, technology tools in my laptop so I can do my job, right, the basic tools that are provided to me from an organization, just like I now want to align my personal brand with a corporate brand. When will cognitive computing capabilities become just a a normal must-have as part of an employee package? Thank you, Patty Fletcher. Susan Steele, Victor Reyes, Dr. Patty Fletcher. Such a pleasure speaking with three smart, savvy, dedicated, engaged, and engaging speakers. Patty, this was a great idea, and I think we need to do a part three, and you and I will noodle about getting a date in the summer because we're booked solid till I think, July or August. So we'll, we'll talk about that. we got to do this again. Would you like to come back, Susan, and Victor as well? Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) Good. Good. Glad. We just scratched the surface. I give my regards to Watson. Thank you, all the three of you. A shout-out to Tina at SAP. I know you're on a plane somewhere, and we appreciate that you helped us get Susan and Victor. And a shout-out to Christy and June and all the wonderful people at IBM who helped support the appearance of Susan and Victor today. You know who you are. And uh, thank you to uh, my colleague Stephen Thorne at the Digitalist Magazine at SAP for your tweets. And a lot of other people tweeted at hashtag SAPRADIO. Shout out to Kevin, our engineer extraordinaire at World Talk Radio, and everybody. Here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. Maybe we'll have a little AI chatbot in your ear. HR saying, did you wear your seatbelt on the way to work today? Oh, I don't know. What are you waiting for? Be like Susan. Be like Victor. Be like Patty. Go out and be a game changer today. I'll talk to you tomorrow with two live shows, one at 10 a.m. here on the Business Channel Eastern Time and one at 2 p.m. Manufacturing of the future and utilities of the future. See you then. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the Coffee Break conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag pound sign S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Please join your host, Bonnie D. Graham, again next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.